Another new school in Sydney's West? Is that really that amazing? Hello, I'm Colin Klupik, and you're listening to Learning Capacity. This podcast is brought to you by LearnFast, improving student learning outcomes with neuroscience-based language and reading programs since 1999. If you'd like to know more about LearnFast, visit learnfasthome.com.au. You can subscribe to this podcast for free. You can search for Learning Capacity in iTunes or visit soundcloud.com slash learnfast. Greg Miller is the new principal leader of the new St. Luke's Catholic College in Sydney's Marston Park, which begins to open its doors in 2017. Whilst the opening of a new school doesn't sound all that remarkable, St. Luke's will be something different from the ground up. Not only new buildings and innovative spaces, but also things like an entirely new approach to management and management selection, curriculum pathways, a different approach to a typical day, and the commitment to continually working out how to move forward in an increasingly complex world. Many schools might say that they are doing this kind of thing already in some form or another, but at St Luke's it's going to be a complete or whole school approach to innovation. In this episode, Greg Miller shares with me how he sees this unfolding. Greg Miller, thanks very much for joining us. Thank you, Colin. Pleasure to be with you. I'd like to begin with how you became involved. And just to set the scene here, for those listening, part of the new model for uh, St. Luke's is that the leader of the school was not necessarily going to be someone who had moved through the normal progression for promotion and that even CEOs from other industries might be considered. How do you fit in with this? Can you give us a little bit of your story? I I can, uh, most definitely. Look, uh, the job was first brought to my attention actually via a colleague on, on Twitter. Uh, who who flagged uh, the, I suppose, the inspirational, aspirational and very exciting promotional video that had been produced by Catholic Education Parramatta about St Luke's. And uh, in relation to my own history, I, I actually am, am from an extensive educational background. I, I um, put forward my expression of interest, which was either in digital or written format. I took the option of providing and creating my own five-minute video as an expression of interest uh, with a one-page uh, abbreviated CV. There was no letter of application. There was no uh, extensive amount of phone calling around for referees to fill in an exorbitant amount of forms. It was just an expression of interest that really applied or I expressed my interest about uh, four or five uh, generic statements about what the principal of uh, or principal leader was a new term as well. But what principal leader they were looking for to lead a a new concept known as St Luke's at Marsden Park. So it was very different. Uh, there was then um, I, I was required a, among a shortlisted field to make a presentation to twenty representatives uh, made up of priests, principals, um, system personnel, uh, prospective parents current and ex-students, current teachers in uh, Parramatta CEO schools. So it was um, a very different process. And then I followed up with a discussion with a, a, a team of five, a group of five. Uh, and that was the first time that I actually met Greg Whitby as the Executive Director of Catholic Education Parramatta. And uh, lo and behold, I was offered the position and, and gratefully and, uh, you know, in a very humble way, accepted the, the post a few weeks back. There must have been something very particular, though, about this role that sparked your interest. I mean, it, it sounds like a very unusual way to go about things. Normally, when you apply to school, there's 
as you say, there, there's myriad forms to fill in and there's, there's, there seems to be this very long process. But you, it sounds to me like you've just kind of, well, not thrown something together, but it's been relatively quick, if I can put it that way. What, what sparked it? Oh, I'd say the advertisement produced by Catholic Education, Diocese of Parramatta. The, the, it was a three-minute video which really, uh, I, I suppose, hooked me and I would suspect the number of applicants that or those that expressed of interest around the aspirations of what might be for education into the future and the excitement that comes with doing that differently and better for, you know, in our case, the, the, the students and the young people of Marsden Park into the future. Uh, there, there was, you know, that wasn't just glib words or phrases, but a concerted effort to bring what I would call or what, you know, a, a recent report by, by um, Foundation for Young Australians produced of, of bringing enterprise skills to the fore within the requirements of New South Wales Board of Studies curriculum and syllabus requirements, but but doing it in a way that was to be very, very different and and framed it with a number of questions rather than direct answers. It was very exciting. It was, as I said, aspirational. It certainly excited me and, and that's why I wasn't looking for work. I, you know, I, I wasn't looking for a position but it, it's what I've described, certainly for myself, and I suppose anyone else who, who comes along to St Luke's in the future. For me, it was a once-in-a-career opportunity to, uh, from a blank canvas, start a new school that that looked forward and attempted to ask the difficult and hard questions about preparing students for the world that awaits them, with a different way of learning, which did not recount or retrack back to, I suppose, the, the, the model that we currently service as, you know, which is non-incentory and it, it was built for purpose then and we're looking at a new way of designing learning and providing learning and supporting students to learn uh, that's, that's more future focused. You say that you weren't particularly looking for work, but uh, what I'm hearing here is that there might have been just this underlying feeling of, well, we've been doing this for a long time now and suddenly this opportunity comes up. Do you think there might have been something sort of lurking in the background there suggesting, I just wish something might come up despite the fact that I'm not looking for work? I mean, is is there really this resurgence in education happening? There seem to be so few people doing it, but you've now launched yourself in. So was it always kind of there? Oh, for sure. Yeah, no, most definitely. Um, yeah, look, I I work with a lot of good people and have worked with a lot of good people and I have served previously as a principal in another setting where along with some like-minded people, attempted to do something differently in a, you know, in an established school. And there are a number of teachers who are looking for a new way of learning that will better support students and, and engage them more, uh, engage them more around their their interests and, and learning which is relevant to their real world. So th- they're... There are a number of people, certainly a number of teachers, a number of younger teachers, even experienced teachers who are searching for a more innovative way of learning, a more transparent way of learning which honours the curriculum with which we work in, but also, more importantly, honours the needs of students into the future. And uh, there's a lot of talk around, certainly at leadership level, 
Um, I'm, I'm hoping that I'm not hoping I I will provide with a yet to be developed leadership team the next iteration of learning, and that's what the promise of St Luke's. That's why the promise of St Luke's is so exciting. It's all very new. Are you being uh, then inundated by applications from teachers wanting to get into this? Yes. Um, to, to be quite direct about it, absolutely. I found out there was some expression of interest that went out, or there were expressions of interest called before my appointment um, around enrolments and uh, teaching appointments for next year, just a general expression of interest. There was through, and it wasn't just through, it was through the direct site of St Luke's that's been created by Catholic Education Parramatta, that over 600 expressions of interest were received from teachers to teach at St Luke's, of which over 90 of them followed up with um, supporting material in the form of a letter or a CV or links to some of their social media or online presence. So, as I said before, you know, there's there's more than interest. There is some real commitment by um, an increasing number of teachers to engage in a new way of learning that might not be traditional, therefore might be messy, but will be fun and will be engaging and will be rigorous in challenging students, not just around what are called the old basics, but the new basics which are emerging and quite necessary for um, our young people, you know, even today, but certainly into the future. I get the impression from talking with people that uh, that there is this uh, underlying interest from from teachers, and as you say, you were inundated. I was talking with uh, um, Peter Hutton, who's the uh, principal of Templestowe College down in Victoria. I had him on the program uh, a few weeks back, yes. and they're doing some incredibly innovative things. And he says he regularly gets letters from people who say things like, I feel like I've been teaching with a foot in the back of my neck for the last 10 or 20 years. Can you help me? I want in. Um how are you going to handle those sorts of approaches when people come to you and say, I just, I just so desperately want to do this, but you know, that you've only got limited places. Oh, look, I, yeah, it's the maths will be such that, you know, we might have 600 expressions of interest and 90 applications, but we may be only employing six or seven or eight teachers for, um, you know, the amount of students that we have for next year. So ultimately, you know, in one sense, I suppose myself and, you know, the other leaders yet to be appointed are going to be sitting in a very, um, you know, pleasant position of, of being able to handpick teachers. Um, ultimately, that doesn't help those who miss out, who, um, you know, look, I, I would say it does depend on leadership that they currently experience. It does, does depend on the context within which they currently work. But there are some ways that teachers within their own setting can still pursue the options and the possibilities of what might be for learning. Because generally, you know, my experience with fellow principals and certainly with other other system leaders is that they are open to it. But we as leaders need to be far more supportive in a way that accepts risk, um, challenges the norm and actually has some pretty tough conversations ourselves with the leaders that might be and and challenge the intensification of mandated testing mm. and, and, and bring forward some other options that will be real and relevant for students into the future. Let's go down this path for a minute. 
some okay. people some people listening to this might be thinking and you know I'm just sort of uh, pushing the boat out here a little bit they might be thinking yeah okay come on guys we've heard all this kind of thing before um, because when we think about a project like this it's easy to think about words like uh, transformation and new models for education and those those words have been used with uh, with reference to St Luke's can you describe for our listeners what the new model is the way you see it well the way I see it at the moment is uh, one thing I suppose in one sense I need to talk about what it won't be it, it, it won't be a the same way of learning that involves new bells and whistles and new open learning spaces. Um, we need to start, I will come at it from point of view of asking questions about uh, the alignment of St Luke's aspirations and um, and what, what we can do to address that. For example, does an age-based approach to learning allow for multiple curriculum pathways? Well, ultimately, it restricts it and constrains it. And therefore, you know, Temple Stowe is an example where they have opened up offerings to students where they can pursue their interest and come from a strengths-based approach to develop skills in an area where they can serve a purpose. So, um, you know, do do 50-minute lessons actually allow for deep learning? Uh, do do we have a same similar start time for five-year-old students as compared to 13, 14 and 15-year-old students? These were the things that I'll be exploring because we, St Luke's absolutely will be committed to doing things not only differently but better, mm. differently and better because and, – and we'll be addressing more broader outcomes in the traditional learning gain of literacy and numeracy. Um, you'll never hear me criticise the, the need for students to be literate and numerate. Absolutely. They, they need to be able to read, write, spell, add up and, and engage in those pursuits because ultimately they are the strong foundational bedrocks that will set them up for success to pursue and answer questions of relevance and to pursue challenges in areas of interest. Uh, there's no use in having genius hours in schools unless students bring a certain skill set as a, as a starting point or a launch pad for that. So, you know, for example, I, and, you know, on my blog I've written about this that the, on Learn and Lead is um, uh, why do we actually, for example, in New South Wales we have indicative hours for English, math, science and HISI, the humanity subjects, of 400 hours over four years. Yet I, there would be very few schools who teach to it. They would teach substantially over it. In fact, I'm aware of some schools that actually deliver 560 hours. I ask the question, where's the learning gain between the 401st hour and the 560th hour? And no one can give me a definitive answer. So my question is, instead of delivering content, what else can we do with these students? Because ultimately the content that we deliver in a curriculum at the moment is about one billionth of one percent of all the all the information that's out there and can we and yes we can um, prepare students better to be more discerning around what information can be best sourced and who the experts are that can best assist them to problem solve and inquire into areas of interest or areas of challenge. I guess it's more helpful in one sense to look back and say this new model won't be that and to look into the past and say, well, we're not going to define it by that or that. 
Because to look forward and say, well, it's, it's going to be new and it's going to be like this, well, we're kind of still inventing that as we go, or may, perhaps not inventing, but discovering. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, most definitely. Look, I, I've certainly not gone into this because I'm a part of a system-based you know, approach to the next iteration of learning. St. Luke's is only one of about 80-odd schools here in, in Parramatta, Catholic education system. So um, this can't be Greg Miller's school. And it won't be Greg Miller's school. I'm here to honour the intent of St Luke's of being a next generation school and an iteration of that as as a part of a wider system. And to be quite honest, and I've, I've shared this with a number of people, I've actually got far more questions than I do answers because at this point in time, I don't even understand the local context of St Luke's at Marsden Park. And I need to get to know that community sooner rather than later. I need to start engaging with our prospective students from as early as next year, well, as early as next month for next year. And I need to build a team around me that will start answering those questions because, to be quite honest, St Luke's won't, you know, have this right from day one. We won't have it right. And, and what does right mean is a whole other question. But certainly we're exploring a way, you know, ways of... Um, how teachers work. One passion of mine is that the most underutilised resource that we look at in education is time. We keep filling it with um, the conveniences maybe around the agrarian model of having um, students, children uh, supervised for suitable times. Um, And and that, look, I'm I'm not being harsh on the current education system because a lot of great things are happening in schools, but what could be the possibilities if teachers could have less time to directly deliver face-to-face learning and more times to learn from each other about how that learning can be prepared, delivered and evaluated in a way where the output of that team is greater than the sum of its parts. And, and, and the most important resource along with teachers is creating their time because it's those teachers who will make the biggest different difference to student learning at St Luke's as they do in every other school um, across Australia. More from our discussion with Greg Miller coming up. If you'd like to know a little bit more about the backstory to the development of St Luke's Catholic College, then check out episode 63 where I talk with Greg Whitby. He's the Executive Director of Schools for the Catholic Education Diocese of Parramatta. And remember, you can find that in the Learning Capacity archives. If you search for Learning Capacity on iTunes, you can subscribe for free. Or you can also visit soundcloud.com slash learnfast. Let's talk a little bit about the teachers. Maintaining a vision for a project this large, I would imagine, would take a fair bit of energy. What are you going to do to initially sell this to your staff and then continue to sell it as you go on the path? First of all, become a little, well, a lot more sharper and more succinct and more uh, appropriate for St Luke's. And there'll be some visioning workshops uh, in the not too distant future with people at the office, with prospective parents, with uh, other key stakeholders, local community, about what that vision will look like. So that will be it'll be relevant and contextual, St Luke's. So that needs to be co-constructed with uh, the prospective parents and the prospective students of uh, of Marsden Park and surrounds. And then that will be my responsibility with the leadership team to bring that vision to reality. And and that will require you know what I call 
um, not so much unpacking it, but, but establishing some key benchmarks that will be indicators of success along our pathway toward the aspirational vision, which will es essentially be around preparing students for the world that awaits them and, and to develop the skill set, to develop the mindset and to develop um, you know, the, the dispositions of well-being that will serve them well for the future. Something I was talking about uh, with Greg Whitby was the fact that schools need to embrace flatter management structures to give people better access to, to, to colleagues. My question in that context is uh, what kind of access will ordinary classroom teacher staff have to you? Well, I'll be adopting what I've always done in leadership, and that's an open-door policy. And um, the other thing that I'll be committed to is great vis visibility outside of you know, whatever my office looks like. Uh, they're, they're the two things that will be essential to my style of leadership will be accessibility, especially for staff. But ultimately, as St Luke's grows, you know, into the two, two and a half thousand student population, you know, over the next eight to 10 years, is that it won't just be myself that teachers will need accessibility to. It will be, you know, each other and also, um, you know, other, I suppose, senior leaders who will be leading teams of people uh, so that we're consistently aspiring to the vision uh, through a coherent and, um, I suppose, a, coherent na a consistent language which builds a coherent narrative around that vision. So, I mean, the accessibility to me, um, you know, those who have worked with me in the past would know that uh, the open-door policy is true and real and presence is is a key characteristic that I pride myself on and that means being out and about and learning from those teachers as they go about their work and certainly being available for them to ask questions and raise ideas because it'll be through the raising of ideas, the imagination that will you know, turn into creative thinking which will ultimately uh, translate into an innovative environment where learning will be different and that will be through the contribution of teachers, you know, in a team-based approach to learning and working with each other with some clear direction around vision from not only myself but the leadership team. Looking forward the next few years, what are your hopes for the students? Firstly, that they feel a real sense of belonging to the community, um, that you know, that'll be promoted and encouraged and nurtured. You know, students can't learn until they're cared for. So there will still be uh, high levels of energy towards ensuring that students um, feel a sense of belonging and that they feel safe and secure when they come to St Luke's. So that's the starting point. And, and my hope is that over, you know, that through that safe environment, and I'm talking about safety as in, you know, safety um, for themselves, not not operating in a safe way around learning, but that they feel safe and secure, uh, that they, they establish a sense of belonging. And ultimately, you know, through the input of teachers, through their uh, development as self-directed learners, that they leave prepared for the world that awaits them. And, and I feel, you know, if and, and I'm talking about a world that we don't quite yet understand. I'm talking about a world that is already calling for increased levels of understanding of how to collaborate, how to communicate, how to critically think, and um, and bringing a conscience to that, bringing a Catholic conscience of, you know, how, how as we as Catholics 
um, you know, in this secular world can bring a little bit of our kingdom of God to this earth. And that's coming from a faith-based perspective, I know, but it's also uh, coming from the perspective of those students being, um, you know, contributing to solving real relevant localised problems and also being globally responsible citizens. And, and that won't be easy. That will be definitely a challenge. But it's a huge opportunity to harness and leverage the power of technology and connections across a very flat world to do that. Something I like to think about with uh, all these new innovative environments being developed around the place, and I, I guess having just said that, there aren't too many of them. Uh, again, it's the, it's the adults who are having ideas about what might be innovative and interesting for the children. Yep. Should we assume that the children... Uh, students will actually like what we give them. Why, why no. do you think that? Why do you think they're going to like this new environment? Well, first of all, to answer the first part of your question, we shouldn't assume anything with the students that they will like it, um, and that probably leads on to the next point. Uh, one other commitment that will be strong from my perspective will be that we use, uh, you know, that we adopt a user-centered approach to designing learning, even future spaces so that uh, we value the input of students as as early as we can for them to be engaged in the co-construction of their learning environment to be engaged in the co-construction of of how the learning environment unfolds on a daily basis um, to, to get their input around you know simple things around the furniture setup of the new space but more importantly, to get their input around, you know, what do, they, what do they really want to learn about? What are the options out there that we as teachers and facilitators of their learning, we don't own their learning. They, we're trying to promote an environment where, where students adopt uh, a lot of responsibility to, to self-direct their learning. That doesn't mean that they operate as a learner in isolation, but they become more engaged in, in generating and developing questions that will inspire them to learn more. And ultimately, it, it, it requires us to, and look, I've been, you know, certainly we're in any environment where we feel valued and appreciated, we're more engaged. And ultimately, we can't assume that the students will be engaged in this unless we engage with them and have them engage with us. John Hattie said to me in a, a discussion a few episodes ago that in Australia we have a, an obsession with high standards and achievement, and of course there's, there's nothing wrong with having a high standard or achieving well, but that often we fail to take into account where the kids start. And this was said in the context of a year of input equaling one year of progress. Now, the St. Luke's model is going to be challenging a lot of things that we've done in the past. There's going to be a certain element of flexibility, and we've, we've talked a little bit about that. How will the St. Luke's model help to foster concepts like one year of input equaling one year of progress? Well, as you know, you mentioned before, uh, John Hattie. You know, we, you know, the the interesting thing about school at the moment is that there'll be thirty children turn up to a kindergarten class next year, and they'll do so because of their age, and they will also turn up with various levels of learning. And that's their, you know, at the moment, that's the start of their learning pathway. What 
I am keen to explore. And there's 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 various continuums. You know, there's a K to ten writing continuum that we have. There's a there's a social emotional learning continuum that exists. You know, in Australia, a part of the national curriculum. So one of the intents will be that, um, and we almost limit the growth to one year based on the age that students, you know, progress, um, and 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 almost pull back the the lead learners, the high flyers, as they might be known whilst we, you know, concentrate on pulling up the strugglers. So, you know, St Luke's will challenge that insofar as there may be students who are aged at, say, year three, who may be given the option through their interest and, and ability to progress further than one year of learning in particular subject areas or certainly in particular uh, skill sets around collaboration critical critical thinking and, and and others. So we will be exploring ways where we can, I suppose, break down those barriers that um, that limit students to one year one learning, but also are aware of students who are not progressing at that rate as well. I guess that relates to what we were talking about before, because uh, people often like to think about what the new thing is, but it's sometimes more helpful to say, well, what was the old thing and do we want that? And, and if we're willing to challenge those notions and look forward with an open mind, I guess being able to explore these, these ways of getting one year of progress or perhaps even more, even, even more than one year of progress in, in a year, I guess those things become more possible. That's, uh, is that what I'm hearing from you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in a certain way, we do it already in so far as early commencement of HSC subjects in New South Wales or um, you know, pathways where it extends the learning, you know, for students who may be, you know, highly committed sportsmen and women uh, at the back end of their schooling. There's early commencement of vocational education training that might start in year nine with students, you know, achieving certificate two or certificate three level uh, at the end of year 10 or year 11 so that there might be early commencement of work and not necessarily um, having to wait until the end of the HSC. Um, most definitely, and you know, I suppose because of my extensive secondary background, and I know it's a commitment um, of the system at Parramatta, is to explore multiple learning pathways, which will lead to um, various post-school pathways, and almost bringing them into the school, so that we can connect students uh, to organisations and businesses and even tertiary institutions that may allow for all sorts of possibilities and and maybe uh, muddying the water around the necessity of an ATAR and, and maybe, you know, greying or blurring the boundaries of when school actually finishes for a child um, or a young person, an adult there, because there are there are numerous students who who um, who could leave school earlier and, and move on to a more meaningful contribution to the world that awaits them at an earlier stage. There could be others that actually engage, um, you know, through pathways that might involve a gap year in a more formalised way, or it might be a gap year that actually serves purpose of contributing toward a a, a global challenge or engaged with making partnerships with, um, you know, local workplaces, I said, or local businesses. So that that will also be something that as the St Luke's story unfolds, you know, how authentically we are, are we pursuing and achieving, you know, a pathway for every child that's known and introduced to them as they leave school, which may not always be at the end of year 12. 
I'd like to finish with uh, two final questions. Your message to the students? Well, come to St. Luke's if you want to dream big. Um, <laughs> you know, I like that. It, we, that's, that's the message. You know, like I, I, we have an education system which is known for quashing curiosity and quashing creativity. I hope that St. Luke's can stand uh, against that and, and that we uh, don't limit students to the possibilities of what might be for them when they progress their way through schools. Now, not every kindergarten student is going to be coming to school thinking about what they're going to be when they grow up because it's not going to be a question that I ask. My question will be, what problem do you want to solve or what challenge do you want to confront? And to do that, you need to dream big. Um, they'll be encouraged to frame their big questions. They'll be encouraged to make a real difference to the world. And it will be through asking those questions about what problem they want to solve and what challenge do they wish to confront. Um, it, it will be done in a way where, the, the, you know, the, the dreamers can dream big and we hope to build and contribute in a way which will build their capability and capacity to turn their dreams into realities and to make a meaningful contribution to the world that awaits them. And what's your message to other principals? Um, look, I suppose everything's contextual, but, but my, my message to principals really would be look forward, let's not hark back, and, and look at ways of let, let's adopt the attitude of how can we rather than how can't we. And I think the more of us that are asking those questions, the more the more pressure we can build on the relevant authorities to ask themselves, do we really want to be known for where we're placed in PISA tests or do we really want to be known for how well we are nurturing with parents as the primary educators, how well we're supporting parents and supporting young people to become responsible adults of the future who make a significant and meaningful contribution. That's a lot harder to measure than the PISA test. It's a lot harder to measure than the learning gain of NAPLAN, but its worth and its worth and its value is far greater than just mandated tests. Greg, it's been great to speak with you this afternoon. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you very much and um, best wishes, Colin, and, and thank you very much for your time. You've been listening to Learning Capacity, brought to you by LearnFast. If you'd like to know more about LearnFast, visit learnfasthome.com.au. And remember, you can subscribe to this podcast absolutely for free. You can search for Learning Capacity on iTunes or visit soundcloud.com slash learnfast. And if you'd like to send us your comments, please email them to feedback at learnfastgroup.com.au. I'm Colin Klupik. Until next time, bye for now. Bye for now.